And welcome everybody to the water cooler. I'm David Brody. It is uh, December 31st, uh, 2020. One more day until finally it becomes January 1st. And boy, are we excited as in January 1st, 2021. And that's an exciting day because 2020 has been a heck of a year. And I don't mean in a positive way, by the way. Uh, so look, uh, where do we begin on this uh, day before the new year? Uh, we've got a lot to discuss on the show today. It's a it's a best of show. We like to do this obviously around the holidays. Uh, one of our first guests is going to be Jordan Seculo. Uh, he's one of Donald Trump's lawyers, and he's concerned about not just election fraud in this country, but also what's going on down in Georgia. The suppression of the Republican vote down there in the Peach State. Clearly, uh, a lot going on. And on January 5th, we all know what's happening: the two big runoffs between uh, the Democrats and Republicans for control of the United States Senate. Also on the show today, America's Constitution coach Rick Green. He's going to explain how the president could actually still win this election. There are going to be some different scenarios there. You have to kind of stay with them on it because the legislatures haven't helped. The courts haven't helped. Uh, Congress, will they help? Could president or excuse me, the president of the Senate, who the, who's the vice president at the time, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Mike Pence. <laughs> Could he help as well? Uh, we'll get into all of that. Uh, Eric Metaxas also on the show. He's a uh, host of the Eric Metaxas show. Uh, he's not happy with Mitch McConnell. Uh, call the Senate minority leader a skunk because he called President uh, or Joe Biden president-elect. And also on the show today, Paul Farhi. Uh, Paul Farhi is the Washington Post media reporter. Uh, and boy, we like to have him on the show quite often. He's like a friend of the show, if you will. And yeah, he's liberal. I mean, look, he'll probably admit that. Probably he, he better admit it. Uh, but he'll be on the show today. And we ask him about whether or not should Trump get credit <laughs> for anything in four years. The media just will not give him credit for one single thing. As a matter of fact, they like to blame Donald Trump for everything under the sun, including global warming. Uh, I don't know what else, poverty, uh, hunger in America. Uh, Trump gets all of the blame. But uh, Paul Farhi, this is going to be an interesting conversation because when I press Paul Farhi about whether or not Trump should get credit for anything, <laughs> watch Paul Farhi later in the show basically say, uh, I'm trying, can't really think of anything. I mean, really? Really? That's kind of the state of the media today. Anyhow, let's start it off with Jordan Seculo, one of Donald Trump's lawyers, talking about election fraud here in the 2020 election. So I want to bring in Jordan Seculo, uh, one of the lawyers for President Donald J. Trump. Jordan, hey, thanks for being back on the show. I appreciate it. Sure, David. Thank you. Well, Jordan, look, essentially Christopher Krebs is saying it's time to stop yeah. uh, buying all this election fraud nonsense. I mean, that's what he's saying, uh, that the president and his supporters in Congress are claiming. What, what are you saying about all of that? I think that what the Senate is doing by conducting these investigations and hearings is is great. I, I mean, whether or not that will change the legal outcome or any legal cases that are still pending or that might be filed still as the president continues to fight, um, the fact that we're getting this information out there and that uh, words, whether it's fraud or or illegal conduct, you know, we focused a lot on and our, our legal work for the president in these issues. Early on, we filed the lawsuits uh, and the, the team of Trump lawyers and RNC and campaign lawyers filed lawsuits in states uh, before the election saying what you're about to do violates the laws of your state and the Constitution. And we were told by judges after judge after judge that, well, you, you know what, you haven't been harmed yet, so you'll have to come back. And then when we came back, they said, well, it's too late now. 
because, and this was even before the electoral college, because we're not going to we're not going to throw out votes. And most of this was actually uh, these cases ended up being thrown out on procedural matters, not on the merits. Cases that did reach the merits were were pretty close. I mean, in Wisconsin, uh, just a couple days ago, is four to three, and uh, if uh, with one judge shifting, two hundred thousand votes could have been thrown out in Wisconsin. So to say that these challenges weren't legitimate or were dangerous, you don't, you don't get four, three decisions, even if they go against you, um, uh, if they're not legitimate challenges. That means three of those Wisconsin Supreme Court justices agreed that those 200,000 votes were illegally cast because right. most of them were absentee votes where no one requested an absentee ballot. I mean, so it was issues like that that weren't necessarily fraud, but also illegal conduct by specific states. Uh, Jordan, I want to show you something from the Milwaukee uh, Journal Sentinel uh, today. This is about Ron Johnson specifically. And of course, he held the hearing, but this is what the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal, Journal Sentinel said about an interview they did with him. They said, Ron Johnson calls election legitimate and acknowledges Biden victory, but still plans hearings on alleged irregularities. And so I guess my question is, what do you make of, uh, of that? But overall, there is a search on, on the way for January 6th and one U.S. senator to stand up, whether it be Ron Johnson, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz. What's your sense? What are you hearing as to whether or not you think one U.S. senator will boldly stand up on January 6th? I think a lot of that is still in the mix. I don't think uh, uh, Mo Brooks is there yet with the senator. I know that the names that you've talked about are, are certainly the likely senators who would who would do this and then cause uh, the both houses, uh, both the House and the Senate, to go and and have this uh, debate over over the electors before they certify this. Uh, but uh, but again, I think that if you have these hearings and the information that's come out, the information I was just talking about in Wisconsin, that maybe courts didn't, uh, you know, we were one vote short in court, but Congress may want to look into it because there was agreement by three judge justices on Wisconsin that there were issues. And that the Supreme Court really said, and I, I, I get, David, what what I really think the Supreme Court did, um, I know a lot of people are angry with the Supreme Court, but I think what they were really indicating was that you don't need the Supreme Court here to tell these states that what they did was wrong. They already have a remedy under their law and the U.S. Constitution where they, as state legislators, can fix this problem and no one can really challenge that. They could they could put forward a new set of electors. Unfortunately, I think a lot of those those four states specifically were were um, not going to do that unless they got a a ruling from the Supreme Court that not who they had to seat as electors, but that their elections were held and they violated the law, and so that they were looking for something like that. But the court, when there's other remedies available. Uh, usually wants to go to those other remedies. So I still think, again, it, what what the, where the uphill challenge here is that, let's say uh, Congressman Brooks can find one of those senators. I, I want to be a realist to everybody as we're talking through this because I think it, it's it's just honest and fair. Sure. Even if he does, it's not the constitutional option where someone doesn't get to 270 and the House votes by state delegation, where Republicans actually are in the lead. This is even after they if they got the Republican senator, they have the debate, the House would vote based off uh, you know, a single vote by each member. The Democrats still have the majority there. They're not going to vote out uh, a potential or vote in uh, uh, Donald Trump as the rightful winner 
of the election, like it or not. So would the debate be good for the country? Uh, do people need to kind of have faith in the elections? I, I think so, and because here's what I'm worried about, David, is Georgia, where time after time I'm seeing on social media and my first campaign, uh, first two campaign jobs actually were in the state of Georgia, and I'm starting to see these Georgia Republicans and also some new actors kind of in the state uh, try and say, why even vote? This is all rigged. And I try to remind people, like, David Perdue beat John Ossoff. Uh, Kelly Loeffler just had to get through the primary because there were two uh, good Republican candidates in that, Doug Collins as well. She did. And the, if Republicans turn out big there, they can beat Dominion, they can beat uh, Warnock, they can beat liberal Hollywood, and uh, and they can keep control of the U.S. Senate. They can't be discouraged. If they're discouraged, uh, we're in serious trouble, not just for who's in control of the White House, but if it is Joe Biden then if there's going to be any check on the Biden administration for at least two years. Yeah, so you have real concerns about what's happening in Georgia in terms of uh, the vote being suppressed somehow, some way. Yes, and, and, the, and the Republican Party, uh, the RNC, has filed a lawsuit in Georgia, not about uh, the 2020 presidential election, but with uh, against the Secretary of State. And it's really just saying, follow the rules of your own state. I mean, it's not it's not alleging anything great. It's just saying... We, we are calling on you to follow the rules, and here's what you can do as Secretary of State uh, to make sure the rules are followed so we don't have a repeat of the presidential election yeah. where we have people saying, oh, we got to stop counting ballots, then we have videos of them keep counting ballots and these kind of issues. Let's not have that happen again. And, uh, and, and I think there is a huge movement to try and discourage uh, Republicans from voting. But yet you got Mike Pence going down there. President's been down there. I'm sure he'll be down there again. Mm -hmm. Basically every elected Republican in the House and the Senate, uh, even newly elected uh, members of the U.S. Senate. I know like Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, who is is, is not even a, a, taken his oath yet uh, to be a U.S. Senator, is in Georgia campaigning. So, I mean, they're taking, because Republicans know they can win. The votes are there. The votes were there for David Perdue. Uh, and uh, they just need to turn out again in big numbers and uh, send a message to the whole country. To me, it's a it's a national election. It's also a way to protect much of the Trump legacy. Yeah, less than 30 seconds. Back to January 6th. You mentioned Mo Brooks on the House side. Let's be in the truth-telling business as well, Jordan. On the Senate side, even if Republicans control the Senate on January 6th and they went and discussed and had a vote on it, Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, they're not getting to 50 votes. I mean, it's it's not. It's I don't not gonna, think so. No. Unfortunately, I, I don't think so. So even, and, and Mitch McConnell said this, it wasn't so much him. And I think that he gets too much uh, uh, blame. He was basically saying it, it'd be within his own caucus. There's only so much he can control. And you've got the guys like Mitt Romney who you know voted halfway to impeach the president over a phone call. And, yeah. uh, and you've got the Ben Sass types who just don't like President Trump, who are, they're not gonna go along with it. So you might get to a point where we have the debate but I don't want people to get their hopes up yep. that this is going to overturn the Electoral College vote. Jordan Seculo, always great to see you. Great insight. Thank you, sir. All the best. Thanks, David. All right. Uh, when we come back, Congressman Brian Babin, Texas Congressman, talking about the latest on the COVID relief bill. Will there be Christmas checks in the mail for millions of Americans? Back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, look, we just heard from Roger Stone, January 6, 2021, a key date. He talked about they're going to need, they, Trump, is going to need one United States senator to stand up and object to the certification in Congress. Now, uh, who could that be? Uh, let's take a look at some of the latest headlines on that. It doesn't look like it's going to be Ron Johnson or Mike Lee. Uh, the Hill reporting that Senator Johnson and Lee do not currently plan to join an effort spearheaded by uh, Representative Mo Brooks of Alabama to throw out election uh, totals in five battleground states. So who could that U.S. senator be? And to get more on January 6, 2021, oh, ho, ho, back with, I, what was that? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, that's Santa. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Uh, back with us is Rick Green, America's Constitution coach, uh, a, a friend of the show. Rick, great to, <laughs> great to see you. I, I, I just had this nightmare vision of you trying to get down my chimney somehow <laughs> with, with a bag of gifts with your, with your very weak ho, ho, ho there. Yeah, it was, not only was it a weak ho, 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 but I can confirm that I would get stuck in that chimney after the top. Taco Bell drive-through last night. That is for sure. That is for sure. Uh, by the way, real quick, when you do a show and and when you're on the air, no sodium after 10 p.m. Eastern it, it, because it just bloats you the next morning. I'm just letting you know. Uh, all right. So January 6, 2021, Mo Brooks is going to contest these results, but you need a U.S. senator. Uh, any be, any best guess uh, if a if there's going to be a senator that will contest these results, and and b who might that potentially be? Yeah, you know, I'll put it this way first. Any congressman or senator that does not object is by default signing off on this fraudulent election that we've had and the and the breaking of the law by these secretaries of state and, and governors that rewrote the laws unconstitutionally and against state laws as well. So, you know, throw down the gauntlet, Mo Brooks, and, and, and every other constitutional uh, follower in Congress and tell your colleagues that if they don't object, they are literally signing off on and endorsing um, the destruction of our election process. So with that said, I would hope that Ted Cruz uh, and Josh Hawley and a few of those others that uh, seem to be strong constitutionalists, actually are strong constitutionalists, would be the ones to at least start this process and require all of the other members of the Senate and the Congress to actually vote on this. They need to be on record either supporting or opposing the uh, rejection of these electoral slates from these states that broke the law. Rick, I want to get into an article that you wrote. Uh, we've got it here. It says the presidency could still go either way. Here's how Trump could still win. Uh, this is what you penned, and I want you to kind of take us through. Uh, I, there's a lot there, but maybe kind of forward to where we are now in terms of January 6th and, and what could happen there, Rick. The best thing for the country, David, is that the legislators uh, do their job. They still have time to do their duty under the Constitution. It's not too late because that would clear things up. If the legislatures in these states, these key states, would call themselves into session, name their own electors and send those, then there's no question those would be constitutionally appointed electors and it would remove this uncertainty that is going to happen on January 6th if they don't do their job. Uh, now, they are, there are some of them still considering it, and, and there's still time. We've got several weeks here where that could happen, but, you know, it's not likely in a couple of the states. We'll see. If they do their job, that will solve the problem for everyone. And I'm not talking about for Trump or for Republicans. I'm right. talking about for the Constitution. Um, but And then there's still time for the courts as well. I think we could still see action on the courts. Uh, let's remember that what they've rejected in most of these cases has not been the case itself as much as injunctive relief, immediate relief. 
And so in some of the cases that are coming directly from some of these battleground states, they still have time to hear them. Again, not likely, but it could happen. And then, of course, where you were headed, January 6th, that's the big showdown. That's where the fireworks are going to be fired. And uh, and there's a lot of questions about how this will play out. Um, I, I would love to point out that constitutionally, Congress does not have this express authority to modify how the counting would be done. They do have express authority um, under the time, place, and manner clause in the Constitution. And, and, and in that case, they can change election law. It specifically gives them permission to do that. It does not give them permission under the 12th Amendment to change how the counting of the electors would take place. So I think precedent is very important. And the 12th Amendment specifically gives Mike Pence, not Mike Pence, but the president of the Senate, which is the vice president, he's the one that has the real authority here. He's the one that's going to oversee this process and we'll have to look at what happened well, in 1873 and 1877 when they counted in, the, in those races. So help, help me break that down. When you say as president of the Senate, Mike Pence has, uh, and the word you use is authority, what does that authority entail exactly? Because he's going to be the one opening the envelope uh, and reading these votes aloud. And then if, well, anyhow, help, help me out, because yeah. what, what's the authority that he has exactly? Well, he is the presiding officer at that point. And in these legislative bodies, when you're the presiding officer, you have significant authority and power to determine how it's going to take place. I'm not saying he doesn't have to ask for a vote or get support of the body, okay. but there are some procedural moves that a, a presiding officer in that case can do. If, if, in fact, Nixon did the same thing in 1961 when he was opening the ballots and Hawaii had sent two slates of electors. The first slate for him, the Republicans uh, initially uh, won the state and and the official slate of electors was for, for Richard Nixon. But then later in the month after a recount, the Democrats sent a slate saying we won the election. And Nixon himself went opening the ballots uh, rejected an, an objection to his own vote there in Hawaii and accepted uh, the vote for Kennedy and said, we're not going to we're not going to go any further than that. Gore did something similar in 2000. Um, whether or not Pence chooses a different path is up to him. I would hope that he would entertain the objections and recess the two bodies and have them go go debate it. But, but you know, it, go ahead. Sorry. Dave. Yeah, but he but he can only do any he can only do that if a U.S. congressman and a U.S. senator object. Yeah, that's the first step. They, they, they've got to object. Um, and, and even then, that idea of one from each chamber objecting is, is part of that, that law that was written and, and passed in 1887 when they were trying to prevent the 1876 debacle from happening again. But the only thing scholars agree on about that Electoral Count Act is that no one agrees on what that Electoral <laughs> Count Act actually says and how it's going to play out. Really muddy. It's it's poorly written. Uh, some yeah. say that it says both chambers have to reject. Some say that it doesn't say that in, in this particular case where multiple yeah. electors are sent. And then there's all the muddy water about does the governor sign, did the governor sign off or did somebody else sign off? So it is going to be confusing. Uh, there may even have to be some challenges before the Supreme Court on interpretation of that statute and whether or not it does actually hold or we just follow the constitutional provision in, in the in the 12th Amendment. So I wish I could say it's really clear. That's why I keep coming back to the electors. Their path, I mean, I'm sorry, the legislatures, their path truly is clear. If they would do their job, it would take away all this uncertainty. Uh, right. And I and I hope that they do. If just four of the states do their job, then that will take care of this and it'll end up getting thrown to the House and, uh, and they'll vote by state according to the 12th Amendment. All right. Rick. A lot of ifs there, man. Sorry to leave it so confusing. No, it makes sense. Rick Green, uh, less Excedrin. I'm taking less Excedrin because of this segment, so I do appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. All the best to you. <laughs>
God bless, man. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see Rick Green next week. Uh, always breaking down the Constitution. Not an easy thing to do, or maybe it kind of is. Anyhow, back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, let me just make this very clear. Uh, Mitch McConnell may refer to Joe Biden as president-elect, but the news flash to uh, Mitch in Kentucky Uh, Tens of millions of Americans are not going to be referring to Joe Biden as president-elect. Our next guest, my guest, my hunch, is going to be one of them, uh, Eric Metaxas, uh, with the Eric Metaxas uh, radio show uh, all, all across the country, joining us now on The Water Cooler. Eric, always great to see you, sir. Always great to be with you, David. Thanks for having me. Well, I, where do we start? Uh, why, why don't uh, I know we, where to start. All right. Well, you know what? Darn it. Start us off, Eric. Go ahead. Mitch McConnell is a skunk. Huh. I want to tell you, um, there's something heartbreaking sometimes about seeing the truth. Um, for years, many of us suspected that many uh, in the Republican Party were not really patriots, didn't have a lot of courage. But when you see it, uh, it's unpleasant. Um, it is Mitch McConnell's job to stand up for the Constitution. And, and any whiff of election fraud ought to have him and everyone else who is able physically to stand on a chair and scream to do that. You would expect that uh, the leadership in the Republican Party would do that. Uh, I would actually be naive enough to, to expect that every Democrat would do that. This is not about Donald Trump. This is about America, which was here long before Donald Trump was born and will be here long after he passes. This is about we, the people, and the idea that someone like McConnell, with all the evidence that we have seen, and even if you don't, you know, if you want to say, well, it's not evidence in court, or the Supreme Court has done this or that, that is irrelevant. Most Americans have seen enough to be convinced that something is fishy, that something fishy is going on, that something wrong and evil, and not just un-American, but anti American, as anti-American as the Communist Party of China. Something fundamentally anti-American has happened in our sacred election. Every American should be up in arms over this. The idea that many aren't and the idea that folks like Mitch McConnell aren't is horrifying. It is absolutely horrifying. And I just am amazed. I, I mean, I'm amazed and not amazed, but this is where every patriot needs to understand we, we, we simply cannot allow this in America. If we cannot be utterly assured that this All 
All right, uh, Eric Metaxas uh, going to the E.T. alien uh, voice. Uh, he, I don't think he does impressions, but uh, right in the middle there, uh, we, we just lost his connection. We hope to have him uh, back soon. Uh, so I'm going to ad-lib a little bit as we try to get him back on the show. And one of the things I want to talk to him about is a, is a tweet by Eric Erickson, uh, which I thought was very interesting. And Eric Erickson said this. Remember, this is a conservative Christian uh, who, you know, over at... Um, uh, I was going to say red state. It's no longer red state. It's um, I don't know forgot where exactly is with now. But uh, he said this today, Joe Biden will be elected president of the United States. God's will be done. And those words are uh, a trigger. Uh, those words are a trigger for a lot of Christians in this country who uh, truly believe that Donald Trump was put in office for such a time as this. And then, of course, you have Joe Biden seemingly like he's going to uh, be the president of the United States. So then the question becomes, well, so is it God's will that Joe Biden is president of the United States? And let me just be clear before we get Eric back on, and hopefully we do. But if we don't, <laughs> let me take the reins if you don't mind. I mean, it is the water cooler with David Rudy. Uh, look, here's the bottom line. Yes, of course it's God's will if Joe Biden becomes president. And yes, it's God's will if Donald, when Donald Trump became president. And guess what, folks? When Barack Obama was president, God's will was done there, too. Because remember, uh, not to go into theology and bring you all into church and the Bible up in here, as they say, or do they even say that? Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that God's will is God's will. Uh, and my guess is that when, if and when we get Eric Metaxas back on, which I believe we have him on now. Eric, are you there? Are you back with us? I'm, I'm here. My, my apologies. Uh, in these wacky COVID times, sometimes the Internet connection doesn't work. I'd rather be with you there in person. I was just ranting and raving yeah. about what I believe is important to the United States of, of America. I yeah. know that you were talking about God's will, and I'd love to talk about that as well. Well, tell me, that's what was my question to you, because Eric Erickson had a tweet. I, I mentioned it while you were uh, away for a boat moment. There it is. Eric Erickson said, today Joe Biden will be elected president of the United States. God's will be done. What, what's your take on, on what Christian sh how Christians should process all of this? Well, look, I don't know Eric Erickson. I'll just put it this way. This is actually very simple. The Lord has allowed tremendous evil to be perpetrated on this planet over the millennia. So the idea that we always get our way or that God's will be done, uh, it's, it's obviously complicated. Uh, Hitler would not have risen to power and the Soviet Union would have not lasted for seven decades if we were living in heaven or in a utopia. Clearly, God allows evil, but we have to know what our job is in the midst of it. Our job is to pray. And our job is to stand up for what is right, no matter what it will cost us. And right now, there is enough evidence of voter fraud around the country that anyone who says, well, there's, where's the evidence? I say to them, either you're not looking or paying attention or you don't care. But most people uh, who are familiar with the situation say, yeah. this looks extremely troubling. We're not just saying this because we don't like the way the election went. You cannot in the United States of America uh, allow something like this to proceed. So when we talk about God's will, we know God's will is that justice be done. It doesn't mean that it's always be done, but it, that it, it will always be done. But it, it is our job yeah. uh, as Americans and certainly as Christians to pray that God's will be done. We have had the inestimable blessing of a free country for 245 years we have had 
the ability to understand that when we vote, it's sacred. We've worked through the processes where uh, people are not disenfranchised from voting. We've gotten to this amazing moment. So to have people with tremendous cynicism um, mess around with that, whether it's uh, you know, in some of these Democrat-led cities, which have been corrupt for decades, right. we right. know this. Or if it's something more global with Dominion, uh, w- with regard to um, you know the possibility of foreign yeah. uh, interference, everybody ought to be obsessed with getting to the bottom of it. That for sure, sure is God's will, and I don't think it's God's will that Joe Biden be seated until we know for sure yeah. what happened, and we certainly do not. Eric Metaxas, got to have you on. Hope you'll come back next week. We have a lot more to talk about running up against the heartbreak. I really appreciate it, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. Eric Metaxas, always with something interesting, provocative, truthful to say. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Our next guest, uh, we love him. Uh, what, What can I say? That's on record. I mean, I'm on television. The camera's on. Madison, is the camera on? The camera is fully on, so that is on the record. Paul Farhi uh, with the Washington Post, the media reporter there, uh, joining us uh, yet again, uh, coming back. Uh, and so, Paul, always great to have you on the show, sir. Thank you, David. Always good to be with you. I can take the abuse, by the way. <laughs> well, clearly you can. You keep coming back. And well, you dish it out pretty well, Paul, by the way. I just want to say, uh, let, let me just be very clear. Hey, uh, all right. So Kaylee McEnany had this uh, press conference today. Uh, I'm not sure how much you saw of it, but uh, she took she took issue with what, how the media is, is covering a few different things. Uh, the Eric Swalwell thing was interesting. She says that the New York Times and many of these other uh, CNN, they're not doing anything on Eric Swalwell uh, at all. And, and that's a pretty big deal, the whole Chinese spy situation. Of, uh, anyhow, I don't want to get into all of that. But it does kind of go to a point about what uh, some of the bias the media may have in there, or not may, do, does have in what they choose not to cover as well. Would you not agree with that? I don't know about bias. I certainly cannot explain why this was not covered uh, more substantially than it was. I thought the original Axios report was quite good and quite detailed. Uh, What you conclude from that report may not be the same as what Kaylee McEnany concludes from that report. But nevertheless, I thought it was a pretty good story, pretty solid, based on very good information. And it should have been covered. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, also on the vaccine, can we kind of go back and dial back history for a second? Uh, the, the media ripped Trump when he said a vaccine would be ready by the end of the year. And, and I mean, I can I have all the comments. I've got all the sound on tape. Uh, he was absolutely ripped, saying he was laughed off the basically the face of the earth. Uh, and here we are. It's the end of the year. He was right. Uh, play play those tapes, David, and see who ripped oh. him. Maybe, I'm gonna, hold on, what maybe some commentators did. I don't think the media writ large did. Uh, Trump also said that the vaccine would be ready before the election, which sounded to all of us like a kind of election uh, carrot on a stick. It didn't happen either. So I'm not sure Trump was the most trustworthy 
source on the development of the vaccine. As it turned out, thankfully, gratefully, it, the vaccine was developed, was approved, and is now available on a limited basis. So we are fortunate. Um, uh, but he said several things about the vaccine, and uh, uh, having it ready at the end of the year was only one of them. Uh, MSNBC and many others, but I know for sure MSNBC has said that time and time again about basically there's no way it's going to be ready. It would take a miracle. I don't know what Trump's talking about. And then, then it happened. So, I mean, he does get credit for this, does he not? I mean, if, you're good, if people are going to uh, say he's got blood on his hands for, uh, for coronavirus, you got to give him credit on the vaccine. Why do you have to give him credit on the vaccine? Apples uh, to he, apples. Well, he super he is the president, and this was developed by private industry without but, but, taking. Money. But Operation oh. Warp Speed. I mean, in other words, even even the media well, media reports say they give him credit for Operation Warp Speed. Yes, except that Operation Warp Speed was not a factor in the development of the vaccine by Pfizer and BioNTech. They did it outside Operation Warp Speed. But, but Paul, real quick, if, if for some reason this vaccine did not happen and it was it was languishing into the Biden administration, you know there would be media reports saying Trump should have done more. You know that's the case, Paul. Well, certainly, uh, because the president always receives that kind of criticism. So he should, get the, he should get the praise, too, should he not? Take credit for something that he really didn't have anything to do with is also false, David. But just real quick, I mean, if you're going to give the guy, not you, but if, if the media is going to give him the criticism, should they not also give him some praise? I mean, the media is just, the media just won't do it. They just don't do it, Paul. What, what exactly should we give him credit for, specifically in terms of the Pfizer and BioNTech uh, vaccine? That, or, the, the, I mean, once again, I'm, I'm not here to make the case for the administration, but I'm saying that the thinking would be is that you put in place from an Operation Warp Speed standpoint and from the government resources, since it is the government vaccine done with in conjunction with Pfizer, that there was a working uh, partnership there, for sure. No. Pfizer and BioNTech developed it outside Operation Warp Speed. They did it with their own private money. That BioNTech developed it, Pfizer funded it, and that's how it came to the market. Uh, I think the only thing the government had to do with it was FDA approval and review of it, which is significant and important. But again, this is private industry, private R&D, private science involved, not the government and not Operation Warp Speed. You can talk about the Moderna vaccine, which is coming to approval very shortly, that one was developed under Operation Warp Speed. Um, the government actually underbought the doses from Pfizer. It bought 100 million. It had the option on 200 million more. It passed. Um, you know, I hope there will be enough vaccine for everyone and it will be getting there soon enough. But the HHS underbought and it should have uh, created a bigger order for the Pfizer vaccine. There, there's a school of thought as to why they underbought, but we can get into that another time. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. I wanted to kind of move on to a few other subjects, but I got to say, it's, it's just fascinating to me. And and Paul, you know, I, I like you, you know that. Uh, but but just the media just, it's like they'll, they'll do anything not to give him any sort of credit. Let me ask you this. The, the presidency seems to be coming to an end, obviously. Uh, so does he get credit for anything? Anything at all? I mean, is there anything the media is going to give him credit for? David, first of all, I don't speak for the media. I know, I, I understand. Even, I understand. I, I will speak for myself and in part for the reporting that The Washington Post has done. Uh, we will give him credit where credit is due. 
But the fact of the matter is, what 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 is something that he's done? Has he done anything? Is, is, so so I mean, you've got to understand when when viewers hear stuff from he Washington has, Post and others, and it's ninety five percent negative, you're, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe you. Um, there are a lot of things he could have done uh, in terms of speaking up early about it. He told Bob Woodward that it was very infectious while publicly stating something the opposite. I'm not sure what he deserves credit for. Well, I'm not talking about the vaccine even. I'm just talking about anything. Do you have anything at all that, that he should get credit for at all? Should, can the media give him credit for one thing? Does he get credit for anything? Middle East peace a little bit? Anything? Uh, yeah, he certainly has gotten credit for the things that he has accomplished during his term. And you mentioned Middle East peace. Uh, certain aspects of the COVID were managed well. Many aspects were not managed well. Right. And I, history will treat him poorly on that subject. Paul Farhi, great to see you. Sir, I was all up in a lather today. I, you know, I get in a lather. I get in a lather. We help ourselves, David, can we? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thank you, David. All right, Paul Farhi. We got to have him back. I mean, look, it gets, it helps me. I mean, I, it gets the, 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 what the juice is flowing. Maybe not the blood boiling. I know you, Madison just said the blood boiling. No, no, the juice is flowing. I don't have any blood boiling against Paul Farhi. Back in a moment. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Time for the last sip. Hey, who is Time's Person of the Year uh, this year? It's not me. Uh, I lobbied for it, uh, but it just didn't happen. Uh, But let me tell you who is uh, Person of the Year. (laughs) Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Wah, wah, wah. Really? A liberal magazine choosing Kamala Harris and Joe Biden as Time Magazine Person of the Year, People of the Year, whatever. And can I just say, uh, how about the healthcare workers? I don't know. Maybe they should be uh, Person of the Year. Hello, of course. How about you? How about me? How about everybody suffering through this in 2020? We all should be people, persons of the year. No, it's Joe and Kamala. And by the way, uh, let's, uh, let's play some of Joe Biden's wonderful accomplishments from this year, shall we? My name is Joe Biden. I'm Jill Biden's husband, and I am Kamala's running mate. <laughs> you all think I'm kidding, don't you? We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Four more years of George, uh, George, uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where if uh, Trump gets elected, uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be in a different world. And I, like I told Barack, if 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 I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll uh, I'll, 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 I'll I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. 
I'll develop a disease and say I have to resign. The person of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, congratulations, Joe Biden. Uh, way to go. Way to stay in the basement all year. That is the key, by the way. If you ever want to be person of the year, make sure you, A, stay in your basement, uh, B, crack and try to get as many illegal votes as possible in an election, and you could be uh, the next person of the year. We actually decided uh, that we don't care about person of the year. Uh, we care about song of the year here at the water cooler because the song of the year, you know what the song of the year is. Let's cue the music because our control room they love this song. They want to play it all the time. So let's do it, shall we? Ah, oh, there it is. Latinos for Trump. Do it. So, oh, I like that. The song of the year. Look at them. They're so into it. Look at oh. Oh, that is beautiful. I like uh, the twirling in the seat. That was was impressive. Uh, The song of the year. And all I have to say is, Oiga Volt. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, The end of the show. End of the show means Sophie Mann, but don't take that the wrong way, that you're at the end of the show. No, would never. I know you wouldn't. Best for last. Correct. Right. So good. Uh, okay, so you work on news stories like all day long. Yep. Chicago's Teachers Union? Yes. What's happening here? So Sunday evening, the Chicago's Teachers Union sent out a tweet that they quickly had to remove about the push to reopen schools mm-hmm. in Chicago. So as we know, schools have been relatively shuttered for the past many months. Um, some have done sort of half online, half in person, but now with coronavirus case numbers spiking, but a vaccine also on the horizon, many mm-hmm. school districts are debating how to now move forward. Okay. So the Chicago Teachers Union sent out this really puzzling tweet on Sunday evening that said the push to reopen in schools is based in misogyny, sexism, and racism. No context, nothing. So immediately there were all of, there was all of this backlash saying, what are you talking about? What does this even mean? In addition to the fact that over the weekend and over the past few weeks, um, Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the CDC, and Dr. Fauci have been saying that intra-school transmission rates for the coronavirus are extremely low Mm -hmm. and that we should, you know, Dr. Fauci's line has been close the bars, keep the schools open, which some people may take issue with. But on the whole, I think we can agree that it's important to have um, America's children back in school just as soon as possible, especially since we've we've now seen the first sort of set of report cards coming out of a full semester Mm -hmm. of online learning. And they're just atrocious, just really awful. The education system is not thriving this capacity. And the Chicago Teachers Union is apparently in no rush to open it, despite despite the science being behind that very movement. Yeah, well, it's really sad that they, I mean, to, to, to put out the tweet is one thing. To yeah. put it out with no context. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not something you tweet out. 
No, it doesn't make sense inherently either. So, I mean, I think that yeah. beyond just not wanting to go to work and educate the children, mm -hmm. there there needs to be a little bit of a breakdown of the logic behind this tweet anyhow. For sure. Sophie, always good to see you. Good well, to you. And it doesn't matter what block you're in, by the way. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I don't know if you'll be the lead tomorrow. Mm. I hope you don't take no? that the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we leave you, by the way, uh, Pearl Harbor, of course, uh, December 7th, 1941. A day that will live in infamy. Everybody talks about 9-11. Uh, of course, for this generation and many before it, they know all about that. But this is the one uh, that obviously our grandparents and, and many others uh, remember. And my goodness, Gen Zers, let's remember it, all right? December 7th, 1941, more than 3,500 American Americans lost their lives or were wounded on the attack on Pearl Harbor. That does it for us here on The Water Cooler. Tomorrow, Liz Harrington with the Republican National Committee Listen, she's got a lot to say about election fraud. We'll see you then.